Welcome to another Salvation by Grace Sunday morning message. Salvation by Grace is the teaching ministry of Grace Christian Assembly, a Sovereign Grace Fellowship in Smyrna, Tennessee. You'll find us on the internet at salvationbygrace.org. We are currently studying the Apostle John's revelation of Jesus Christ. So grab your Bible and join the congregation of GCA along with our teaching pastor, Jim McClarty.
In the history of planet Earth, there have been multiple different gods claimed. The history of the world is just absolutely rife with stories about gods. The God of the Bible has a particular name, Yahweh. He has a particular people, Israel. He has a particular word, the Bible. And that becomes the standard of the Christian religion. The thing that makes Yahweh unique from all the other gods on the planet in history ever is that Yahweh is a god who communicates. None of the other gods, none of the other idols, none of them communicate back and forth with their people. In fact, when God spoke to Moses and identified himself when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And God says, you tell him, I am sent you. God doesn't give himself a greater definition than that. I am. I'm the only God that is. All other supposed gods are not. I remember years ago hearing a preacher say that, oh, it wasn't just a preacher, it was Elder Ward. But I heard him say that God, Yahweh, is the only God who ever defined himself by achieving amnes. He said, I am. And there are no other gods that can make that claim. And God has demonstrated his amnes by the fact that he has interposed himself over the course of human history and made himself obvious. One of the ways that he has made himself obvious is by the fact that he does communicate. And a God who is not there cannot communicate with you. But a God who actually is can demonstrate himself through his word. In the history of Israel, what we see are three different offices by which God communicates. There's prophets, there's priests, there's kings in the Old Testament, and each of them had a very particular function. No man, until the time of Jesus, was ever designated as prophet and priest and king all at the same time. Those were separate offices held by separate people. And their function was always to be part of the communication effort of God. For instance, the king's job was to rule Israel, but to rule via the law, which God had already given his people Israel at Mount Sinai. God communicates with Moses, and through Moses as an intermediary, he communicates with Israel. And he gives not only his Ten Commandments, but his 613 ordinances by which he expects his people to live, develop their society, treat one another. We know that collectively as Torah, as the law. The next way that God communicated with people was through priests. And the job, the function of the priest was to go communicate with God via sacrifice. 
and sacrifice on behalf of a particular people. When the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies in order to sacrifice, he was wearing particular clothing that made it obvious that he was there in order to mediate for one particular people. He had a breastplate of gold with 12 individual stones that were assigned to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He had two what are referred to as couches that sat on his shoulders, that weighed down his shoulders. Six tribes were represented on one and six tribes on the other. So it was very clear that he was there to mediate for a particular people, the people of Israel. His job was to communicate with God on behalf of the people. The third of those offices was the prophets. And that's really what we're here to talk about this morning. Because the job of the prophet was to actually hear from God and then communicate what God had said to the people. And so within Israel, that station, that job of being a prophet was a very particular and very respected job. You might recall that a couple of weeks ago, we read about Samuel going to anoint David to be king. And as soon as he entered into the city, the men of the city met him and said to him, is it peace? That was their first question. They just wanted to know, "Uh uh-oh, a prophet of God is among us. Is this going to be trouble? Is he going to prophesy bad things to us? Or is he going to say peaceful things to us? That's the kind of respect and the kind of fear that people had of prophets. So you can only imagine if, if you've got a society of people like Israel who understand what the job of priest is, they understand what the job of king is, they understand what the job of prophet is, and they see that prophets are highly respected and highly feared, well, then, of course, sinful people are going to say, I want that job. I want to be prophet. And even if God has not chosen me to be prophet... I'm going to tell people I'm the prophet of God because I want people to fear and respect me. I want people to do what I say to do. I want to get the kind of reverence that people give to prophets. Therefore, the whole history of Israel is peppered with false prophets. The ultimate false prophet is the false prophet that we find in the book of Revelation. But in order to understand what an offense this false prophet is to God and to the people of God, we're going to spend some time today looking at the history of false prophets, what the Bible says about false prophets, and how the Bible continually condemns the idea of false prophets. Because one thing the Bible states over and over again is if God hasn't told you to say it, Shut up. Don't be walking around talking about God spoke to me and told me to tell you. The Bible is replete with verses, with passages that say that God is against false prophecy and that he will condemn false prophets. And yet to this very day, we still find people 
here on planet Earth. You can find them on the internet. You can dial them up on the radio or the TV. There are still people out there claiming that they hear directly from God and that they are receiving prophecies from God and they expect people to respect them on the basis of these false prophecies. And yet the Bible says, woe to a man who says, thus says the Lord, when I did not say... So if they don't even know enough about the Bible to know that God condemns the idea of false prophecy, then they're certainly not somebody that you should listen to. So I've put this microphone here because I'm going to hand out a series of verses that we're going to read to get some sense of what the Bible says about false prophets. But usually when I call on people to read, I call on Tom or Steve or Micah because they're up here by the front. And I want the people on the internet to be able to hear the things that are being read. And this is the only microphone that is going out to the internet. And so since they are close up front and have big masculine voices, you're welcome. (laughs) That's the reason that I usually call on these guys up front to read. But then I realized that there are people sitting further back who'd probably like to read, who would probably be happy to be part of the service, but because you're way back there, I don't call on you. So when it's your turn to read, after I have assigned you a verse, you're going to stand up here in front of the microphone so that everybody in the room can hear you and so that people on the internet can hear you and so that I can call on people in the back of the room who for all this time have felt like they were safe because they were distant from me. (laughs) The people up front, whenever I hand out verses, they will immediately look askance so that they don't make eye contact. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, if he he looks at me, he'll call on me. I'm going to start by reading Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 which tell us this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. So there the writer of Hebrews is admitting what I just took way too long to say, which is that the way God communicates with his people is through the prophets. That is a very definite office within Israel with a very definite job. And the job is to hear from God, not change what God has said, but then carry that message to the people. Now, oftentimes, the message that God gave to his people, Israel, was not a happy message. Oftentimes, it was not good stuff. Oftentimes, it was warnings that they were about to fall to their enemies or that they were going to be taken from their land or that there was drought coming or warfare coming, things that people didn't want to hear. As a consequence, people grew to fear the prophets. And then there is a time that is known as the intertestamental period. In other words, it's the period between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. That period of time is roughly 400 years. And the reason we call it sort of the silent period of God is that in the history of Israel, during those 400 years, there were no prophets. 
God stopped talking. And that is the way that they identify that period of time. They even write about the fact that they had no prophets. As a consequence, they didn't even know what they should do with some of the furniture in the temple. And they said that they were just going to lay it aside until a prophet came to speak to them. Now, there are books that were written, history books, during that 400 years. Books like First and Second Maccabees, about the Maccabean Rebellion. But those are history books. What you don't find in those books is prophecy. Because there were no prophets. God had stopped talking, which is why it's so important that the New Testament starts in the book of Matthew with John the Baptist coming on the scene. He's a prophet, right in league with the Old Testament prophets. Suddenly, God is speaking again, and then Jesus comes on the planet, and the writer of Hebrews says, God in times past and in sundry ways spoke to us by the prophets, But he has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Because his son Jesus is the final ultimate culmination of prophets. He is the embodiment of everything that a faithful prophet is supposed to be. He said everything that God told him to say to the people. The good stuff and the blessings, the warnings and the bad stuff. He was willing to say everything that God told him to say. So he is the ultimate prophet. So let's start handing out verses. Well, Tom, you are right here, so I'm going to give you the shortest verse. Uh, Don't look away. (laughs) You're going to look up Matthew 7.15. Leon, you're going to read Matthew 24.3-5. Now, I know that they're both willing to read. Do I have any volunteers that are willing to read? Okay, good. Paige, I saw you. You're going to read Matthew 24, 24. It's a relatively short verse, but that's what you're going to read. Let's see. Did I see other hands? James, you're going to read Jeremiah 14, 14. I have a long passage, a couple of longer passages from Deuteronomy here. The first one I'm going to give to Erica. So Deuteronomy 13, you're going to read verses 1 to 5. Next, Eli. Going to read Jeremiah 23, 16. Let's see. Deuteronomy 18, I've got three verses that Jeff is going to read for us out of Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22. I'm really editing because there are just so many verses that have to do with prophets and false prophets. You feel like reading something, Jennifer? Sure Sure you do. Ezekiel 13.9 is what you're going to read. I hope you all remember this because I'm just going to call out the passage and you're going to have to say, yeah, that's me. April, you want to read something? Sure. Lamentations 2.14. Who else wants to read? Bobby, you're going to read Isaiah 8.20. Kenneth, all the way back there, you're going to read 1 John 4.1. Oh, I've got one more. Paul. Paul? Is Paul here? Oh, there's Paul over there. Hi, Paul. 2 Peter 2.1. You're going to close us up with that. 
12 of the verses I have handed out all have to do with God being upset about false prophets. Now let's define one more time so that everybody is clear about what a false prophet is. A false prophet is somebody who says they have heard from God when they have not heard from God. And the Bible actually provides you with a test. Do you know what the test of prophecy is? It's that what they say comes true. If they say something and it doesn't happen, you can say confidently, that's a false prophet. Hold that standard the next time you're listening to anybody on broadcast Christianity claim to be a prophet and then say things that just do not happen. Those false prophecies are legion, and that's probably the right word for them, too. They happen all over. You can find them all over the Internet. People who have said things that have not occurred, and yet those people are still talking. Why are those people still talking? Why do people listen to them? They have already demonstrated themselves to be false prophets. So let's start with Matthew 7.15. Tom is going to stand and read Matthew 7.15 for us. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The reason I wanted to start with that verse is because when we get to Revelation 13 this morning, which we will get to eventually, really depending on the reading ability of all of you, but when we get to Revelation 13, we're going to see the ultimate false prophet, and the way he is described is, he looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. Jesus, when he was here on the planet, warned his followers, beware, that means pay attention, be wary of false prophets. And how are you going to be able to determine that they are a false prophet? They might look good, they might come in sheep's clothing, but they're actually inwardly ravenous wolves. They want to chew you up and spit you out. So they're going to speak like a wolf, even though they look like a lamb. And then that idea is carried over into Revelation 13. He's going to look like a lamb, but he's going to speak like a dragon. Who did I give Matthew 24? Oh, of course. Here's Leon. Matthew 24, he's going to read verses 3 to 5. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. The reason I had Leon read that passage is, part of the warnings that Jesus put forward is not only to look out for false prophets, but also to look out for false Christs. And what we see in Revelation 13, what we've been talking about for the last two weeks, is that final substitute anti-against Christ, who's known as the little horn, who's known as the beast, 
And Jesus predicted in advance that he was going to come and said, but beware of him. Be knowledgeable of the fact that he's coming. And by the way, Jesus mentioned him in the context of his apostles asking him, what's going to be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And one of the things he points out is, there's going to be false Christs. Don't follow after them. The reason Jesus could say that is because when he comes back, the whole earth is going to see it. Everybody's going to know it. He's not going to be hidden in a closet somewhere. He's not hiding in the woods. He's not going to be anything other than completely obvious. In fact, the sun and the moon and the stars are going to go dark. And then the sign of the Son of Man is going to appear in the heavens. And he said it's going to be like the lightning that flashes from the east to the west. It's going to light up the whole sky against the pitch blackness that has become the sky. That's going to be the sign of his return. Nobody's going to miss it. Therefore, if somebody comes onto the planet and says, oh, yeah, I'm the Christ, which, by the way, to this very day is still happening. There are people on the planet right now that have websites who claim to be the return of Jesus. And remarkably, they have large followings. And there are people to this very day continuing to hand out false prophecies. So these two warnings from Jesus is where I wanted to start. That he says, beware of false prophets. They're going to look like sheep, but they're really wolves. They're going to eat you up. And then beware that there are going to be false Christs. And if someone comes and says, I'm the Christ, don't follow him, even though he's going to lead many people astray. And then he summarizes those two categories, false Christ and false prophets. He summarizes those in Matthew 24, 24. Who did I give that to? Here comes Paige. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Don't go away. Jesus just summarized it and said, false Christ. False prophets will arise. Did he say might arise? No. Did he, Paige? He says will no, arise. They will arise. There's no question about it. There are going to be false Christ and false prophets. And then what are they going to accomplish? They'll lead astray, if possible, even the elect. They're going to be so convincing. Thank you. You can go now. <laughs> They're going to be so convincing that they will lead people astray by claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be the Christ, claiming to be a prophet of God, and people will flock after them, so many, in fact, that if it weren't for the fact that God has elected some and put his Holy Spirit in some, the whole world would be fooled by the chicanery of the false Christ and the false prophets. That's how convincing they're going to be. And after all, when we get to Revelation 13, if we get there this morning, when we get there, what we're going to see is that they have power to do miracles in order to gain worship for themselves, in order to eliminate worship from God, in order to show themselves that they are gods. 
and people are going to be deceived by the signs and the wonders and the miracles that they do. If you don't know your word, if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know your history, if you don't know what the Bible has already said about these things, well, you're just sheep for the slaughter. They are going to eat you up, spit you out. Erica, we're going to reach back into history now that we know the warning that Jesus has put forward. Jesus has not said anything unique. He didn't make anything up. This rule about prophets stood in place ever since the law. Ever since the law of Moses, the Deuteronomical law has in it, included right within it, rules against false prophets. So Erica is now going to read Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to keep interrupting you, so just get used to it. First indication of what a false prophet can do. Notice he says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams is among you and he gives you a sign or a wonder, he does something miraculous in order to convince you. And then he says to you, let's go follow a different God. That's one of the things that false prophets are going to do. And the warning is all the way back here in the law because the telltale sign, ground zero, is worship God. It starts with worship God. And even if somebody seems to have prophecies that come true, even if they're doing signs and wonders, like we're going to see in Revelation 13, if they're capable of all that and they don't point toward Yahweh, they don't point you toward Christ, they don't point you to the only God who is, that's still a false prophet, even if what he says comes true. So you have to be discerning. You have to be thinking. Start again from verse 1. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place, and the prophet says, let us go follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. Do you see what God just said to Israel? I'm going to allow a false prophet among you, and he's even going to do signs. But if he says, let's follow a different God than Yahweh, something that you've made with your hands, one of the foreign gods, something the Gentiles worship, if he says that to you, that is a test from God to find out whether you love him above everything else or whether your devotion to him can be swayed by a good miracle. God is making sure that his people are utterly devoted to him. First and foremost, ground floor, love God, worship God, follow God, and don't let anything else steer you away from that. Carry on. It is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him, serve him, and hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. That prophet or dreamer tried to turn you away the way the Lord your God commanded you to follow. 
You must purge the evil from among you. So you have to purge the evil from among you, and that prophet has to die. And she read that off her phone. That's how readily we all have access to these rules. God is pretty serious when he starts saying, you know, there's a few things that if you do them, the other people in the camp need to kill you for it. He said, if somebody, even doing signs, even doing wonders, even saying things that actually do come true, if the ultimate end of that is not the worship of the only God who is, that is a false prophet and he deserves to die. Deuteronomy 18, who did I give that to? We're still in the law. Jeff is going to read from Deuteronomy 18. Yet again, this is the test of a false prophet. Yeah, verses, verse 20 to 22. But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he shall speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And you may say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. That prophet has spoken it presumptuously. If he says this is from God and then it doesn't actually occur, it's not from God. Why? Because God doesn't make mistakes. Because God doesn't say things and then have them not happen. Because he has all the power. He has all the authority. Therefore, he can make sure that whatever he says actually comes to pass, actually comes true. So if you find a prophet who says, this is from the Lord, and then it doesn't happen, he says that is a false prophet, and he has spoken it, I like the word, presumptuously. In other words, he's taken it upon himself. He has exercised his own ego. He has aggrandized himself in order to say, oh, yeah, I speak for God. But that is a presumption against God. That prophet shall not live. And really importantly, you shall not be afraid of him. You don't need to be afraid of him. The real prophet, like I mentioned earlier, like Samuel, they said to him, is at peace. They respected him. They feared him. But once you know that a guy is a false prophet, you have no reason to fear him, no reason to listen to him. And by the way, he deserves to be dead. And yet, they're still out there talking, even at this very moment. Still putting up new websites, still saying stuff on well, I don't want to name names, but their initials are TBM. Does that give you any insight? Well, anyways. Okay, so then let's actually hear from a prophet. Now that we know what the law says, now that we know the warnings from Jesus, let's hear from a couple of the prophets. We're going to start by hearing from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 14, 14. Who did I give that to? Oh, my son. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. The NASB has it. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divinations, and the deceit of their own minds. Now, thank you, James. Now, since Jeremiah just said, 
the prophets are prophesying lies to you in my name, does the Bible in fact tell you that there will be people who consider themselves prophets who will say things to you and claim that they've come from God when they are in fact saying to you lying visions, not just a vision they saw because they ate too much pizza before they went to bed and then had a bad dream. They know it's a lie when they're saying it. They're lying in their visions. They're giving you divinations that are absolutely worthless. They're not good for you. They're not good for your soul. They haven't raised you up. They haven't taught you anything. And it is the deceit of their own mind. That word deceit is lying. It's their own lying minds that are causing them to say these things to you and then blame God for it. Jeremiah says that in the time of Israel, that was happening. Actively people wanting to be thought of as prophets were saying any lying thing they could make up in order to draw more apostles to themselves, more followers to themselves, so that they could lift themselves up in their own ego and say, I'm really something, I'm a prophet of God. So the Bible says to us very clearly that there are going to be people who claim to be prophets prophesying lies in the name of God. How are you going to keep from falling for that? you got to know your word. You have to be discerning. And you have to judge everything on the basis of what is the end result of what I just heard? What is the end result of what I just read? What is the end result of this particular prophecy? Is the end result the glory and worship of Yahweh? Or is the end result the lifting up and the glory of the person who wants to be thought of as a prophet? And when they say things, are they saying it in alignment with what the word says? Or are they saying things that you can't find anywhere in the Bible? There's a lot of that going on even to this very moment out there. People who are saying wild and wacky things that they just made up out of whole cloth that have nothing to do with the Bible. And you have to be discerning enough to know that that is a false prophecy, and you have to know that you don't need to fear them, you don't need to listen to them, and that God is going to hold them in contempt and judgment. So why would you pay attention to them? Who did I give Jeremiah 23.16? Ah, good. Jeremiah 23.16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy you and make you worthless. They speak version of their own heart and not from the mouth of the Lord. They speak visions from their own minds, things they make up out of their own imagination, things that do not come from the mouth of the Lord. God never spoke it. God never said it. And so the instruction is, don't listen to that. That is the biblical instruction. Do not listen to the false prophets. Can you think of a circumstance where there are false prophets in the world today and people are listening to them? Well, yeah, that was easy. People who can't even pass the test of being a genuine prophet because the things they say do not come true. And yet people flock to them. People listen to them. As Paul describes them, they have itching ears and they just want to hear something new all the time. So they flock to these false prophets. Jeremiah is not the only Old Testament prophet who ever talked about false prophets. Ezekiel also talked about false prophets. Who did I give Ezekiel 13.9? 
Jennifer. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people. Nor okay, hang on. I'm going to interrupt you. God just said, my hand is against them. You don't want to be in that camp. You don't want to have something in the Bible that says, my hand, my wrath, my anger is against you. Read it again from the top. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. Notice the last phrase. You will know that I am the Lord God. I keep emphasizing. Thanks, Jennifer. I keep emphasizing that the end result of anybody who speaks on behalf of God, the end result always has to be the glory of God. They have to be pointing you to God. They have to be focusing on God. If they are focusing on anything else, then they are not emphasizing the one thing that God said is ground level, most basic. That's why the very first of the Ten Commandments is, you'll have no other God before me. I'm it. I'm the only God who is. I am that I am. So if a prophet speaks to you anything other than God glorifying things that actually come true, then he's not only to be put out of the register of the house of Israel, the register of the house of Israel, have you noticed in the Bible there's a whole lot of begatting going on? That's a King James word. All that means is the genealogies of the Bible are there on purpose. They're there in order to trace the lineage from Adam all the way to Christ. And Jews kept very meticulous genealogies. And that's why in the New Testament, Paul says that you no longer have to keep what he calls the endless genealogies. Because Christ, the ultimate seed, has now come. But throughout the Old Testament, they kept a register. They kept a genealogy. You had to be able to prove your family group in order to have the land that belonged to your family group. You had to be able to prove what tribe you were from. You had to know your pedigree. You had to know your genealogy. And so if a man was a false prophet... He was to be taken out of the register of the house of Israel, which means that he loses his inheritance. He loses his land. He can't be part of the community anymore. He can't run a business anymore. He is eliminated, put outside the camp from the house of Israel. And so God is very, very firm, very, very strict about this whole prophecy thing. It is mandatory if somebody calls themselves a prophet that they are only speaking what God himself says. April is going to come and read Lamentations 2.14. The Lamentations were written by Jeremiah as he was lamenting over the state of Israel. Your prophets have seen for you false, false and foolish visions, and they have not exposed your iniquity. The so prophets have done what? False and foolish visions. False and foolish visions. Read it again. Your prophets have seen for you false and foolish visions, and they have not exposed your iniquity, so as to restore you from captivity, but they have, have seen for you false and misleading oracles. 
So how many times has the prophet of God now said that the prophets of Israel have seen false, foolish visions? And one of the things that he points out in particular is they haven't exposed your iniquity. And part of restoring you back to God is for you to repent of your iniquity before God. And the prophets aren't even telling you of your sin before God. So they're not very good prophets. Instead, they're telling you false and foolish things and telling you it's fine, it's good, you're all right. April bailed. <laughs> she, she decided that was good. She's done. Who would I give Isaiah 8.20? Oh, Bobby. Okay. This is Isaiah 8.20 with a New York accent showing the universality of the word of God. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. To the teaching, to the law, to the testimony. That's what Isaiah states. If you're going to say anything about God, you better make sure that it's coming directly from the teaching of God, from the law of God, from the testimony of God. And then he adds, if they will not speak according to this word, it's because they have no light in them. The word is translated dawn in the NASB. What it means is they have no enlightenment. So if you are listening to them, you are listening to people who are permanently in darkened, who are making up foolish things, who have not heard from God, and yet people will listen to them because they have itching ears, because they want to hear something new. They'll listen to these false prophets, and God over and over and over again condemns these false prophets and tells you what you should be paying attention to. You should be paying attention to the teaching and to the testimony. That means the whole of the scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is all the word of God, which is why I have said for so many years, we have to be brave enough to stand on the word of God and say everything it says. Even if it says things that we struggle with a little bit, even if it says things that are a little uncomfortable for us, we still have to be brave enough to stand on the word of God, on everything in the word of God, and we can't eliminate or set aside any part of the word of God. But we also have to be wise and discerning enough not to say things that are not in the word of God. We can't be making stuff up because God himself, who knows the difference, who knows what's in his word, he himself has declared over and over again how against these false prophets he actually is. And that is a warning that we all need to heed. We need to take it to heart. We need to understand that God is jealous for his word. The only God who communicates has already communicated to us through his law, through his prophets, ultimately through his son, who is the word of God, the incarnate word of God, which became the written and preached word of God. So we need to make sure that what we are preaching, what we are saying, what we are prophesying is exactly what the word and the testimony of God has already said. And if you're saying something other than what the Bible has already said in order to amuse people or in order to gain followers to yourself or to sound unique or ultra spiritual, if you're making up stuff that the Bible doesn't say, God is against you. 
And that's not me declaring that. That's the Bible declaring that the very Bible that is the very word of God declares that it is against the false prophets. You got it? Got it. I mean, this really ought to be a sober warning. We need to be very, very careful about what we say, what we think, what we preach, and we always need to go back to the teaching and the testimony. And if they do not speak according to that word, it's because they have no enlightenment in them. 1 John 4, 1, who did I give that to? Kenneth, making his way up from the distance. He was practically in the parking lot. <laughs> 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every Wait, spirit. Listen to this. Pay attention to this. This is a really vital warning. Go ahead, Kenneth. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test Don't the spirit. Don't believe every spirit. I know I'm interrupting you. <laughs> Beloved. He's talking to his people. He's talking to Christians. That's why he refers to them as beloved. They are the brethren. They are the Christ following. And he says to them, don't believe every spirit. Because there's a whole lot of spirits in the world. All right, read it, Kenneth, and stop interrupting me. (laughs) But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirits to see whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. How are you going to test them? Well, the Old Testament test was if a prophet says something and it doesn't come true, that's a false prophet. Now we have the word of God. And so everything needs to be tested against the word of God. Everything needs to be tested by what God has already said. And we all, collectively, every one of us, have access to what God has already said. Bibles are readily available. I think Erica proved that earlier by reading from her phone. I've been surprised how many people have stood up here and read from their phones. Does no one own an ink and paper Bible anymore? Anyway... We have ready access to the word of God. Therefore, we have no excuse to not test what every man says against the word of God. And if they are not speaking according to the word of God, if they are not speaking according to the testimony, if they're not speaking according to the law, what God has already said, if that's not what they're teaching, then they're a false prophet. You don't need to be afraid of them and you don't need to be listening to them and God is going to judge them. Have I said anything yet that the Bible does not say? No. The Bible says all that. And Jesus himself warns you against false Christ and false prophets because he knows they're coming. 2 Peter 2.1. Paul is going to finish the audience participation portion of the morning for us. 2 Peter 2.1. Oh, now, I began this morning by saying that in the history of Israel... There were false prophets. The history of Israel in the Old Testament is replete with false prophets. Here Peter is going to say, it's the same now. Read it, Paul. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. 
bringing swift destruction upon themselves. The first part of that verse is false prophets were among Israel. False prophets are part of the history of Israel. They appeared among the people. And then Peter says, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Did Peter just say to the church, be wise, be discerning, because there's people out there who are teaching false stuff. Yes. It's exactly what the Bible warns you against. And then he describes what their behavior is going to be. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. You don't want to be part of that. You don't want to be inculcating destructive heresies and making that part of your Christian life and Christian walk. So you need to be discerning. You know, you need to know the difference. And how are you going to know the difference? By knowing what the word of God actually says. That was all introduction. And you can't blame me because you all did it. Turn to Revelation 13. For the visitors in the room, the rule here at GCA is that introductions don't count against my time. So I'm starting now. I just saw Paige turn to her friend and whisper something. I, I assume it was something on the order of, he doesn't mean that. That's a joke. It's okay. Chapter 13, verse 1 of the book of Revelation. He stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, because he gave his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone is destined to be killed with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. And here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, 
He spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which were given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and had come to life. And there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and cause as many as who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Next week, I'll take the time to explain all of that. This morning, I just wanted to introduce you to the false prophet and show you all the passages in the Old and New Testament that speak against false prophets and how they directly correlate with how he is described in Revelation 13. In other words, he is the ultimate embodiment of everything it means to be a false prophet. And he's coming. And he's going to cause free and bond, rich and poor, everybody left on the planet, everybody whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life since before the foundation of the world, he's going to cause all of those people to worship the beast, the Antichrist, who is Satan himself, and therefore Satan is finally going to achieve worldwide acclaim and worship. And he's going to do it by being a fake Christ, which Jesus said, be aware, they're coming, don't give in to them. And the worship of that false Christ is going to be a direct result of the false prophet who is going to cause everyone to worship that beast. Next week, we will dig into the details. If you came here this morning thinking I was going to tell you who the 666 is, well, then you're just going to have to come back next week. And I won't tell you then either. (laughs) But I hope you'll all be here next week. Musicians, Steve, if you would.
Thank you for listening to this week's Salvation by Grace Sunday morning message. We encourage you to visit our website at salvationbygrace.org for books, Q&As, and our ever-expanding archive of audio sermons. And we invite you to join us next time when we gather around the Word and study the sovereign grace of God.